Church, as you have a seat, turn to two people and tell them I'm ready. Tell your neighbor I'm ready. If you're ready to receive a word from God, say I'm ready. I'm ready. I, uh, we're in a series called Fruit of the Spirit, and I'm going to read you the main scripture this comes from, which is just a couple verses in Galatians, and then I'm going to tell you a story. So, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And in this epic summer series, we are looking at every one of those elements, those attributes that make up this fruit of the Spirit. Now, I have to tell you that preparing for Father's Day, I was, I was looking for the fruit of, like, strength, right? I mean, this is, we're talking dads today, right? The, 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 the fruit of um, protection, the fruit of provision, the fruit of toughness. I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's dad's day. I didn't see that. And, uh, and, and let's be honest here. As a dad, I'm just going to get vulnerable and tell you that when it comes to provision and protection, I don't always get it right. Like, I, I'm... I'm falling just like you. Uh, one time Jake and I were batching it. Remember that? Well, you probably don't remember. It's been a while. It's been over a year. But Jake and I were batching it. Jody and Ava were gone back uh, visiting family for the weekend. And uh, so I don't know what we did that night. Probably watched a scary movie, which you and I should never do together. But we did probably. And so we ended up sleeping in the same bed because, you know, we're just whatever. So, but at 1.30 in the morning, something happened that him or I did not anticipate. 1.30 in the morning, I hear this noise, a loud noise. You heard it too, Jake. It was like this noise, and, and I knew right away what it was because we were right above the garage. It was the garage door opening, 1.30 in the morning. And I'm like, you cling to me, I cling to you. And in my weakness as a dad, I was like, Jake, you know what? You're smaller than me and lighter. Just, I don't know, just run downstairs and maybe glance and see what you see. He's like, Dad! I'm like, okay, okay, okay. All right, snap out of it. So I grab my nine iron, I go downstairs, and I go to the door, which is locked, that leads into the garage. I kid you not, I was, I was, I prayed like I'd never prayed before. I was like, I don't know what's behind this door, but I know that the garage door is open. So I unlock the door. After my prayer, I open it up, and I have my nine iron, and I'm like, ah! I was just ready to go, you know? Nothing in the garage. The, the garage door is wide open. Nothing, I mean, the car is there, but nobody's there. And I checked the car to make sure that, he, you know, the killer wasn't hiding in the back seat. No killer. Uh, no killer around any corner. So I shut the garage door, go back in, lock the door, run upstairs, you know, grab Jake. We hold each other like schoolgirls. And I don't know if I slept the rest of the night, honestly, because we don't know how the garage door opened. About a month later, Bryce, who's part of our, our worship team, Bryce didn't know he's going to get called out, but he is. So Bryce, who's part of our worship team, nonchalantly makes the comment, it's like, oh yeah, like that time I came to your house and, you know, I couldn't get in. And I was like, wait, wait, what? He said, yeah, that time I was, you know, I was going to spend the night. And I was like, oh my God. I said, that was you? So then, it, then I remembered Bryce before he moved here, he was, he was visiting and he, he was going to spend the night at our house. And, and so I gave him the garage code. And uh, so it was Bryce. And, but Bryce, 1.30 in the morning, I don't have a clue what you're doing, but I'm glad that you were locked out. I don't care if you slept in your car. I'm like, 1.30? Who does that? But Jake and I, we handled it like true men, didn't we? We didn't. We didn't. We struggled. But as a, as a guy, I'll tell you that when I look at the fruit of the Spirit, God led me down a direction that I didn't know that he would lead me down for a Father's Day weekend. And that is the, um, a couple of the elements that are like the, almost the opposite of what you would think, you'd, you'd think to look at when it comes to a dad. 
And he brought me to the, the element of gentleness and kindness. And I don't know if you know scripture or know much about Jesus, but there's a man named Jesus who modeled all of the fruit of the Spirit. But, but these, there's a story I'm going to tell you. And, and gentle and kind, you're going to see it throughout. But the story is going to take a turn that you're not going to expect. I believe that with all my heart because I didn't. And you're going to, God's going to show us something today. So the story that I'm going to teach from is found in a gospel called Luke. Luke wrote this, and it starts in Luke 7, verse 36. Um, this is the story. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees, religious people, asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Um, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, a certain immoral woman came in. Okay, So uh, uh, this woman with a reputation came in from the city because she heard Jesus was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar fill, filled with expensive perfume. Now, now, church people, if that's you and you grew up in a church background, don't get this don't get this scene confused with another story of another woman who brought an alabaster jar full of perfume. It's not the same story, okay? That woman was Mary. She had a brother named Lazarus. She had a sister named Martha. That's not this story. This is an immoral woman. Mary wasn't that. that we didn't read that. But this woman was. And this woman, we don't know her name. That doesn't ever give her name. So similar situations, different story. Just putting that out there. Verse 38. Then she came in. She busts in the door. She kneels at the feet of Jesus, weeping. Her tears fall on Jesus' feet. She wipes the tears. I mean, picture this. She's wiping the tears with her hair on his feet. She keeps kissing his feet while she's doing it and pouring the expensive perfume on his feet. I mean, this, is, this scene, I'll, I'll guarantee you to the people, the Pharisees that were around the table, Simon was the, the homeowner and then his friends, this scene would have been obscene. What they were witnessing, see, women in this day, especially a woman like this, they're not invited to any kind of a banquet or a dinner like this. And they're certainly not hanging around a Jewish rabbi like Jesus and, and, and around when they're eating or, or even talking to them in this venue. This doesn't happen, but that's exactly what she's doing. And it's crazy. Jesus does something. I mean, if Jesus did what he was supposed to do, well, the right thing, you know what the right thing was? He, could have, he should have had that woman escorted out. He could have even had her punished for, for what she did that day. But Jesus modeled what Jesus always modeled. And Jesus teaches us in that moment, as he allowed the woman to do, do that thing, Jesus teaches us, again, that it's more important to be, be kind than be right. Right? Jesus, in his kindness, allows her to do that. He would have been right. I mean, Jesus was always right, never wrong. So he would have been right having her removed. But again, Jesus shows it's more important to be kind than be right. And Jesus chooses that avenue like he always did. It's so, see, Jesus didn't come to prove that he was right. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to prove a point. Jesus came to make a difference. And he's making a difference in this woman's life in a radical way. Let's keep going. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus, listen to this statement. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Okay? Just take that in for a second. Jesus is answering thoughts. Okay, I don't know what you think during the week. I mean, sometimes I'm a little off base. I don't want Jesus even knowing what I'm thinking, let alone answering what I'm thinking. I'm just being honest. Like this week, I think it was Thursday, I literally had the thought. And I didn't say it out loud, so don't judge me. But I had the thought. I thought, 
it is hot as hell out here. I, that's what I thought. And can you imagine Jesus like, like leaning in? He's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Hell's a lot hotter. Yeah, 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 I just picture him speaking into that. Jesus is, so Jesus says to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. I'm sure Simon's like, well, how do you even know? Okay, go ahead, teacher, Simon said. Then Jesus told him a story. Simon, a man loaned uh, money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one guy and 50 to the other. Neither one could repay him back. So he kindly, say kind, kind. He kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the guy who had the bigger debt canceled. Jesus said, that's right, Simon. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at the woman kneeling. Look at her. When she entered your home, or when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet, as was customary at the time. You didn't offer that. She's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. When I came, you didn't greet me with a kiss, which was customary. But from the time that she first came in, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You, you neglected the courtesy of anointing my head with olive oil. Again, the customary right thing to do. The, Simon didn't do it. She's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you something, Simon. And what, what Jesus says here, I mean, it, it blew me away. Listen to what he says. He says, I tell you her sins and they are many. He, Jesus knows it. He knows the wreck that she is. Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love because a person who is forgiven little only shows little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Imagine the scene. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this guy? God forgives sin. Who is this guy forgiving sins? What, what's happening? And Jesus doesn't even respond to what they're saying. And Jesus looks right at the woman and says something else. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The scene, again, was obscene. And what I couldn't get by when I read the scripture, because I'm like, okay, this, is, this has got gentleness and kindness all over it. But you know what Jesus brought me back to right away? You know what else it has all over it? Forgiveness. So, so I'm fighting with God this week. I'm like, God, this really isn't a message on forgiveness. It's really the fruit of the spirit. You know, forgiveness, I don't see that there. And, and God's like, it's all over it. In fact, he showed me that every time, almost every time you see kindness and gentleness in the word of God, it's tied to forgiveness. Like, I, I, I start studying the word of God. I'm like, what in the heck? So Ephesians 4.32, I'll just give you a couple. I could give you multiple. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God, or just as in Christ God forgave you. Another one, Colossians. Since God, excuse me, is it Colossians? Yeah, Colossians 3, I think it is. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who's offended you. Again, they're tied together. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you what? You must forgive others. Jesus says it's non-negotiable. And this can be tough, especially for guys. I mean, for some reason, with our pride getting in the way, we don't think much about, ah, you know, forgiving kind of sounds, you know. Forgiveness isn't based on your emotions, by the way. People that I know that harbor unforgiveness, and I've been there, it, it, it's always like I, what they did to me, and they hurt me, and their feelings have been hurt. And I get it. A lot of times, rightly so. I mean, they're hurting. 
But forgiveness isn't emotion. Forgiveness isn't feelings. Forgiveness is based on a choice. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we must choose to forgive. So I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know who needed that. That wasn't supposed to even be in the message. But obviously it's supposed to be in the message because that's what God wanted. So if that spoke to you, I'm telling you, that was for you. Gentleness, kindness, forgiveness. Again, attributes that we, from the worldly standpoint, can look at as kind of, you know, kind of soft or, or weak. But let me ask you a question. Was Jesus weak? No. And Jesus exhibited all of that. Like Jesus, I mean, if you're picking teams for a tug of war, do you want Jesus on your team? Yes. Jesus walk up, he'd be like, mm, it's over. I mean, it's Jesus, okay? Come on. Jesus is no weakling, and Jesus was so gentle and kind. The kindness of men, so, so calm. I wrote down, slow to speak in this situation, listening. And then I thought to myself, it's funny that I wrote that down because his brother James, well, half-brother, same moms, different dads. Anyway, you get it. So James, in 119, wrote, he, he wrote something that, that is kind of a popular verse when it comes to the book of James. You must be all quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry, okay? Now, does that sound like the society we live in? Mm-mm. We're, we're quick to speak, right? We're qu- I, you, you want my opinion? Oh, whether you want it or not, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to post it. I'm going to tweet it. You're going to hear about it. And then, of course, if you don't like it, then you're going to threaten to unfriend me. And my first response is always, you promise? Seriously, just go ahead and do it. I don't, I'll, you know, I'll hold you to that. So, um, but we're so quick to speak. In fact, in fact, ladies, I'll pick on you for a second. Do you know that the average woman speaks? Actually, you know what? It's, it's Father's Day. Let's go to the guys first. Guys, the average guy speaks about 7,000 words a day. Seems like a lot, doesn't it? Now, before you say it's a lot, ladies, the average woman, 15,000 words a day with gusts up to 40,000. Okay? I'm just saying. They, they go. I'm just... So... Quick story, I, this has been, I don't know, a couple months ago, uh, a gal calls me and wants to share what's going on and part of her story, and I'm driving as she's talking, so I'm in the car, and uh, <laughs> when she said, tell me part of her story, story, I didn't realize she was going to, like, start when she came out of the birthing canal. I'm like, oh, my God. So it's, it was 15 minutes, and, and so I don't know, I went through one of those, those areas where you lose cell phone reception, or at least that's my story, and uh, so the phone disconnected, and... Uh, so, and I thought, well, certainly she's going to call me back because, I mean, she's ready to tell the story. So, so I'm like, she'll call back, and she didn't. Like, 15, nothing. And I was like, okay, God's will be done. So, uh, so 15 minutes later, the phone rings. I kid you not. Here's what she said. It was her. And I said, hello? She goes, oh, my gosh, I just realized we got cut off. I'm like, you just realized it now? 15 minutes? And then she goes, and then she goes, I don't know where I left off. Maybe I'll just start over. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, God, just start wherever you think you love. I mean, start with yesterday and go from there, okay? I, seriously, 15 minutes. Okay, so, but we're quick to speak. But Jesus, what gets me about this whole situation in Luke, Jesus says nothing. Like, Jesus doesn't speak until the final scene. And the woman, that woman, that immoral woman that you don't know her name and neither do I, she doesn't say a word, ever. She speaks nothing, but yet her actions said everything. This is so crazy. I mean, and Jesus, the way he interacted with her, it's like, 
you think of the tender moment when when everybody else is looking and wondering what she's doing there, and Jesus is just calm, letting her do what she's doing. And it's like just, it's like he's holding this butterfly in his, in his carpenter hands and he's not, he's gentle with it as she, and he's not speaking anything or saying anything because he knows that the slightest movement, he knows that the slightest comment could, could literally crush her wings because of how broken she is. And Jesus is just, it's amazing. And then Simon and the other religious people, they scoff and they're like, Jesus, you're, you're allowing this woman to not only be in the presence of us, but then do this to you? Jesus, you said it yourself. She, her sins are many. Her sins are, it's funny. I, I love the story of Jesus. I, I love it so much. You know why? Because I can relate. Because Jesus, he liked the women, the, the, that woman in his presence. He enjoyed it. See, Jesus loved to hang out with people that no one else wanted to hang out with. It's one thing that I loved about. It's one of the many things, right? He, he seemed to like the people that no one else liked. And, and, and the people that no one else liked seemed to like him. So Simon and Simon, here's the thing about Simon and the other religious people. They were as spiritually bankrupt as her. Simon just couldn't see it. Simon was just blind to it. He's blind to himself. He's blind to Jesus. He's blind to the woman. All that Simon could see in the moment when it comes to the woman, all Simon could see was her sin and her past. But yet all Jesus could see was her faith and her future. See, I'm so grateful that Jesus doesn't just cover some of your sins or some of your sins, but Jesus and the grace of God covers all of our sins, every one of them, if you let him, if you bring it to him. Oh, she brought it. Man, did she bring it. But yet she says nothing. And Jesus, allowing her to do this, this this act, and I wonder, what I don't know is this woman's backstory. I could guess, I mean, she's obviously a heap laying there, hurting, struggling, but she wasn't always that way. I mean, she was a little girl once, right? A little girl who laughed and had fun and played. A little girl who had hopes and dreams. She didn't start out like that, that heap by Jesus' feet, weeping. It's not how it started. I bet there was a time when she, she, she laughed and she skipped and she played. But then, but then I suppose something happened, right? Either something happened to her or something happened around her and it changed her. And maybe you, as I speak to you or you watching online, something you can relate because you feel that brokenness because something has happened to you. Something has happened around you. And, and she finds herself at this point. And then I, then I wonder, how does she know Jesus? Because she knows him. She, 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 she went in there because she knew Jesus was in there. That means that she's heard, she's seen Jesus, she's heard Jesus. And I think, I wonder, I wonder if it was like the first, one of the first sermons we know as the Sermon on the Mount. I wonder if she was there because a lot of people were there. You go back a couple chapters and read in Luke. The, the, the Bible says that when Jesus was, was preaching that sermon, people were pressing into Jesus already. Like they were, they were getting close. They were touching him for healing and people were getting healed. They were going after Jesus because they wanted something from him. But yet this woman, she falls at the feet of Jesus and offers everything for him. So, so what if she was there? And she's trying to press in too and the people are like, get away from me. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. So the woman has to go back farther because no one wants her around. And she goes back farther and the people are like, you know what? We don't want you here either. And finally, she, I, I just picture it. This isn't in the Bible. I just, I just picture that she's listening. And finally, she's back behind a hill by herself, kneeling and listening. She can maybe barely even see Jesus, but she can hear what he's saying. And she's like, I've never, I've never heard anybody speak like that. Like, and she's by herself 
And she hears things like this. Like he says in Luke 6, in part of that, part of that message, Jesus is saying, God blesses you who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours. And she's thinking, watching from behind the hill, I've never felt so poor in my life. Like I have nothing. That's why I have to live the way that I live and do the things that I do that I don't want to do, but I keep doing them because I have nothing. And that man, he's talking about some kingdom that is mine. What does he mean? It sounds good. And Jesus keeps speaking and he says, God blesses you. And she's like, I want that blessing. God blesses you who are hungry for you will be satisfied. And she can't remember the last time that she's felt satisfied in that way. And, God, and Jesus continues and she's listening and Jesus says, God blesses you who weep now. And she hears it with tears streaming down her face. For in due time you will laugh. And she thinks, I can't remember the last time that I laughed. I can't remember the last time that I felt joy. I can't remember the last time I even smiled. I wonder if he's, is he, he seems different. I hope he's not like everybody else. I wonder if he means it. And she gets a glimpse of who Jesus is. But here's what's even more crazy. I wonder if she was at the setting right before she went in and doused his feet with, with tears and with oil. The, the Bible, when you put it, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you put them all together in what scholars would call, when you put them in harmony, or in chronological order, when you do that, common, uh, most commentaries will say, the, the, what happened right before that woman went into Simon's house and did, did that with Jesus, the moment before that was Matthew 11. That's what scholars believe. I wonder if she just got done hearing that. Because Matthew 11, here's what she would have heard. Do you think this would have prompted her to run in and fall at the feet of Jesus? Here's what he says. Jesus gives an invitation I wrote. She, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And she's like, that's me. I'm dying under the burden. I, I, I can't do it anymore. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. She hasn't had a man treat her gentle forever. And Jesus says, you will find rest for your soul. And she's like, God, I have nowhere else to go. I have, nowhere, I have no other options. And Jesus says, I want to be your option. I don't want to be an option. I want to be your only option because I am the best option. And the very next scene, what is it? She busts in there. She douses him with perfume and with tears. She says nothing. I wrote down, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't ask for anything. And Jesus Christ offers her everything. Everything. Jesus, do you remember the first words that Jesus spoke to her? Do you remember? I'll show you. Let me refresh our, all of our memory. Verse 48. The first time Jesus speaks to her, the woman, he says to her, your sins are forgiven. Whoa, 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 Jesus. Her sins are forgiven? She didn't ask for that. Well, not audibly, she didn't. I mean, I, I, it, I wrote down, it wasn't what she said that got her to surrender. It, it, it's what she did. See, it's not what she was declaring. That didn't matter to Jesus because she declared nothing from her voice. But what she demonstrated said it all. Church, what you demonstrate is way more important than what you declare. What you demonstrate is way more important than what you declare. Oh my gosh, I wonder if I'm just preaching to me right now because I, I was so convicted this week. So 
So my daughter, Ava, is in tennis, and she's really fallen in love with the sport over the last year. She hasn't played that long, but she's been on me to get a ball machine, right? You know, the ball machines that hit the ball, or, and I'm like, Ava, I can just go out there, but I'm not always available to go out there, and she wants to be out there, like, all the time. So we start researching ball machines, and, well, they ain't cheap, okay? Even the cheap ones ain't cheap. And I'm like, Ava, no. So I've told her no 5,000 times, but she continually asks. God bless her. So a week ago Friday, I finally I got a little cocky. I said, Ava, beat me in tennis. Beat me in tennis. One set, beat your dad, which is never going to happen. But I said, beat your dad. I said, I'll buy you ball machines. I'll buy you 10 ball machines. And I'm just going off. Well, after she heard that in her head, she, oh, that's all she heard. She said, Dad, when are we going to go play? Dad, when are we going to go play? Dad, when are we going to go play? Dad. I'm like, oh, my. So I, I couldn't take it much more. So the next day, Saturday night, we go and we play. And I'm dominating. I'm going to brag here. So I'm up four to one in the set. Just, you know, but I knew this was going to happen. I'd been playing for quite a few years, and um, so it's four to one. A set goes up to six, and, uh, and she's kind of whimpering a little bit, so she won the next point. I'm okay with that, four two. She won the next point, and then it's four three. And then she won the next point, and it was four four, and I was like, dang it, all right. Time to get serious, time to put it away. No more playing around. The problem is, by the time I said no playing around, I, I was dead tired. Like, I, I couldn't, like, I don't know, Ava, I don't have the stamina you have, do I? Ava sees me. I, at one point, I'm down on my racket like this. Ava's like, Dad, are you okay? I mean, another time I'm holding my chest, she's like, Dad, are you having a heart attack? I'm like, if you beat me, I will, you know? So, so she wins the next point, and it's 5-4. And I'm like, are you kidding? And I am so dying. I am exhausted. I am dying. But I refuse to go down. I'm like, this is not going to happen. I am not buying that stupid ball machine. So we play the, that final point, and Ava wins. 6-4. Ava wins the set. Yeah. Yeah. Well, woo -hoo, you pay for that ball machine. So I'm like, I, I was like in shock. I'm like, I can't believe what's happening. Well, Ava, once she realized I wasn't having a heart attack and I was okay, then you know what she did? She's like, so I'm getting the ball machine then, right, Dad? I'm like, so I said, Ava, let me research. Maybe there's some cheaper options. And I kind of put it off, put it off, but she's not putting it off. Wednesday rolls around and I'm just trying to like I don't want to do it. I'm like, Ava, let's go out and play again. She's like, Dad, we played. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, so I'm trying everything. And then I prepare for the message. And then I read this. And I see this woman, this woman and what she demonstrates. And then I have my point that I just said to you. It's more important what you do than what you say. And, you know, it's more important that what you demonstrate than what you declare. And I'm like, crap. It's like God is like right to me. And I'm like, I, I, I want to be, I want to be like Jesus I, I, Ava, I also want to rematch, but I want to be like Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So, so on Wednesday, I went online and I reluctantly ordered a ball machine that better be, the, by the way, the most amazing ball machine we've ever seen in our life. So I, but we can't just say it. Jesus, remember the, remember the first statement he made and the next statement he makes? That's the last statement he makes to her. One more statement, verse 50. Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wait a minute, Jesus. I mean, she didn't, even, she, didn't, she didn't say anything. I thought the pastor always says, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. She called on his name. She didn't do it. She didn't say it out loud. She didn't have to. But, but, but she didn't ask for forgiveness. Uh, she didn't ask for it out loud, but, but it was obvious what she was asking for. It was obvious where she was. It was what she demonstrated that made the difference. She didn't pray a special prayer. No, no, no. She didn't have to pray a special prayer. Why? Because her actions were evidence of her faith. 
It was what she was doing in the moment. Oh my God, God is teaching me something as a person who is, you know, who speaks. It is so much more powerful what we don't say, I think, than what we do say. Jesus says almost nothing. She says nothing. And this is one of the most impactful stories that I've ever read. So, so we're so quick to talk. I'm so quick to talk. And Jesus is showing me what you don't say can be way more valuable. She fully surrendered everything to Jesus without saying anything to Jesus. So, so her full surrender equaled, equaled her full salvation. See, what, the more I'm in ministry, the more I realize, and we're always going to have people, I always want people to, to make declarations about, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. Hey, I want to take a next step. Hey, I want to whatever. But, but at the end of the day, and that's great, and that, that's, a, that's a signal, that's an indicator, but what you do next is what matters. It is. I love getting the cards that have all the decisions, and I'm like, I pray over them, but, but I know that's not the end of the game. That's the beginning. And what that person does next when they leave here, that's really what matters. Will they throw themselves on the feet of Jesus? See, one of the reasons I got called into ministry is this. I think there are people, many, like me, like I used to be, where I, I would believe, well, well Simon, he, you know, I mean, the, the Pharisees, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, he believed. You know, that's a crazy conversation in John 3. But, but, but here's my thing. She full-on surrendered. She gave everything. And I wrote it down, and this is the final thing that, I mean, if you're going to write something down, please write this down. Surrender is not giving God something. It's, it's when you give God everything. It's when you give him everything. And that hits me so hard. Do you know why? Because, oh, I believe in you, Jesus. Oh, I believe in the cross. I believe in the tomb. I believe in all that. But I, I would not surrender everything. I'll give you this piece or that piece or that piece. I'm going to hold on to that. And Jesus says, what you hold on to will hold you back. What you hold on to is going to hold you back. 95% surrender is no surrender at all. And I think there are people walking around with a cognitive um, belief in Jesus, which is awesome, but the life doesn't reflect it. They're like Simon, I, I, I believe, but, but the way I'm acting, I'm not anointing you, I'm not blessing you, I'm not, I'm not on your, at your feet, I'm not surrendering to you, and this was me. And I'll guarantee if there's a piece of your heart that hasn't surrendered, it'll probably be, it'll probably be in one of these areas. Power, like, 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 like um, yeah, I, power, possessions, and a third P word that isn't coming to me right now. Let me see. People, that's, that's actually very good because people, you can lump that in with, um, you can lump that in with power so, because, because we can put people as an idol before, we, before Jesus. But that wasn't it either. Man. Power, possessions, pleasure. Pleasure. Because the, I mean, that's funny how I couldn't, the devil was probably trying to block that because pleasure was mine. You know, the addiction was mine. Oh, that's going to give me pleasure. God, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. But I won't give you that. I believe in you though, but I'm not at your feet weeping. I'm not at your feet surrendering everything. 95% surrender is no surrender. Surrender isn't giving God something. It's giving him everything. And I think there are many people walking around, especially in our country, and I'll say it out loud because it was me most of my life. And we'll claim Jesus Christ. We'll claim Christian. We'll post stuff on, on Facebook or whatever it is. And that's, 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 that's not bad as long as you're at the feet of Jesus when you do it. As long as you're fully surrendered to the king when you do it and the tears are rolling off your face and you realize the gravity of what you've done and the sin. She realized it. That's why she was so surrendered. 
And, and, and the Pharisees could have said, you know what? You, you forgave her, Jesus, but she's done nothing to earn it. I mean, she, we don't know. She might leave here and do the same thing she's always done. But the thing about Jesus, he wasn't into behavior modification. Do better, do better. And then, and then that's the difference between Jesus and religion. Jesus wasn't into behavior modification. He was after heart transformation. Because when the heart, when your heart has Jesus, like the woman's heart had Jesus, Jesus had her, the behavior's gonna follow. It might, it might lag a little bit. It might take some time. It will follow when he has your heart. I guarantee you. That's the difference. Religion, religion, you know what religion says? Religion says, clean up. You know, change your life and then follow me. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, follow me and I will change your life. That's what, that's the difference. This is the difference. You don't have to get cleaned up. You follow me and I will clean you up. I will clean you up. She was so broken. She was so authentic. And here's the crazy thing. Right after Jesus says, your faith has saved you, do you know the very next scene? It goes into chapter eight. If you wonder what the woman did next, I'm gonna guess. The very next scripture, very next verse. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing today, church. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Women who had been broken. Women who were considered less than. And Jesus, there is ministry along with the 12 disciples. Is that woman one of them? I have to think. I mean, she was just, she just got healed. Spiritually, the greatest healing in the world is to go from death to life. She just gets healed. And I just have to think she's part of this ministry now. I love that, 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 that Jesus selects who man rejects. She's rejected by every, everybody. Jesus is like, you'll fit right in. That's why I tell people Meadows Church, a church where it's okay to not be okay. A church where a bunch of misfits come together and we, we get to know Jesus and we want change. And we know we can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own. And Jesus says, you don't have to do it on your own. You, fought, you, you let me change your heart. You keep seeking me. You keep praying to me. You keep reading about me. You keep taking steps towards me. And I will change you. That's what Jesus does. He changes lives. We can't do it. He can. <laughs> she was so authentic. It doesn't get much more real than what she did at the feet of Jesus. And I think we're missing that. I think pride holds us back. Culture holds us back. I want to be a church that we fall on our face in front of the, the king. And we wear it as neat. We're, she was so authentic and so real. I don't want to be fake. I, I wish I was, I, I wish I was a better pastor. I wish I was a better leader sometimes. But man, I just got to be real with you. I, I fall short. I, uh, I, I've told you before, I, I was a, a drug addict and got clean. And ever since then, I've struggled with depression. And I go to a counselor, and I'll never, I, I still see a counselor. But something happened recently that's never happened before. Uh, two weeks ago, our family started counseling. So it's not just Monty getting the counseling now, now it's the entire family. And, and I'd love to sit here and tell you something. You know what I'd love to tell you? Well, I'm the pastor and it's maintenance and I'm just making sure that I'm staying ahead of the curve and staying healthy so that I can make you healthy. Not really. Going because we got issues. I don't know if you can relate to that, but we do. Like, like there are days we want to take each other out. 
And I don't mean to dinner. I mean take each other out. So we, 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 <laughs> Jody was meeting us this week and Jake and Ava and I are in the car and we're driving and I'm like, yep, here are the Gannons, pastors of the church, driving to family counseling. The kids are laughing. I'm like, what are we doing? God, please don't let there be anybody from Meadows at, the, at, the, at that place, <laughs> you know? So we go there and uh, it was, this gal's great. I mean, she's awesome. And I know I'm preaching on gentleness and kindness and we get to a point where the family, uh, you know, you kind of, you just you can speak candidly. It's just a safe place. It's funny that we don't feel like we can do that in our homes, but I don't know. I struggle sometimes with feelings and that kind of thing. So, so the family's talking, and you know what they, you know what I heard from the family when they're talking about their dad on on, on oh, it's Father's Day weekend. And here's you know, and of course we share good things, and, and then we share opportunities. We call them because that sounds better than bad things. And they're like, and, and every one of them said the same thing. Well, more than, one pe- more than one person tells you something about yourself, it's probably true. And, and, and here's what I heard. I didn't hear, I didn't hear, uh, you know, we're talking about Jesus was kind and gentle. I did not hear that. What I heard was sometimes my dad with his uh, tone comes across the opposite of that. And then I heard the word harsh more than once. And I sat there as the pastor of a church that I love in a family that I should love more than the church because they're my first most important ministry. Without them, there is nothing. And I hear, and I'm just reflecting on it. I'm thinking, I wish I was more like Jesus. I wish I could stand up here and tell you how gentle and kind I can be. And I can be those things, but unfortunately, the latter can be more true than the former in my life sometimes, especially with those closest to me. I hope you're better. Maybe you are. So God's working on me. And I think of Jesus and I think of his gentleness and kindness. I'm like, I want to be like him. I know I'll never get there 100%, but I want to. I want to be around people like my family when I don't have to say anything like Jesus. And they just know from the demeanor on my face or the love in my heart or the way that I touch them, they know there's warmth. They know there's tenderness. They know there's care. Jesus, you know what the woman, here's the deal with the woman. Jesus hardly spoke anything to her. Do you know when she was doing that thing with her hair and her tears and everything? You know what she heard from Jesus? She didn't hear it audibly. But you know what she heard? I love you. 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 And she he continually lets her do her thing. I want my family and my family to hear I love you. Even if I never speak a word, I love you. I want to be more like you, Jesus. Help us be more like you. When Jesus went to the cross, he said some things on the cross, not a lot. But you know what You know what I hear from him? You know what I heard one day when I was sitting in church, like you're sitting in church? When I thought about Jesus on the cross, I heard, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I remember when I, when I surrendered, this was surrender, because I've always believed in Jesus. I didn't surrender until about 14 years ago. And when I surrendered, I was sitting in church, and I'll never forget it. I was so overwhelmed with, with, with my mess and, and how bad I was. I was just like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Much like the woman, I felt like my sins, there's so many. And Jesus just, just is like, yes, I know. That's why I'm hanging here. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm not just hanging here. But three days later, I rose from the dead so that you might have life. It covers a multitude of sins. And I'm just overwhelmed. 
I tell you her sins and they are many are forgiven. And I think when you realize that day in church, when I, when I said audibly, I'll give my life to this, I had no idea what it meant. I just knew I didn't want my life anymore. And I said, I'll give my life to this. I said it twice. That day I realized the depth of my sin. I think this woman at the feet of Jesus, see, I think it's only until you realize the depth of your sin that you can truly appreciate the depth of God's grace and forgiveness. That was me. I, as she had tears streaming down her face on, on the feet of Jesus, I sat in church with my head down, bawling. And I couldn't stop and I didn't get it because I was such a mess. And, and some days, as I just declared to you, I still am. He's still working on me, but I'll never forget that day. And I thought to myself, I am so broken. And so, I was the heap that she was that day. And it was so, see, I, I can't speak for you. I can't. I don't know your stories. I, but I can tell you this. I know how bad I've been. I know the things I've done. I know the people that I've hurt. I know the mess that I've been, and I know the mess that I still can be. And I'm so grateful that Jesus Christ said this. He said, I am not come for those who think they are righteous, but for those who know they are sinners. And I don't know if you know that. If you know it, give him glory. I know it, God. I know I'm a mess. I know I'm screwed up. I know I got issues. I thank you for the grace of God. Though their sins are many, I love them. I forgive them. I have life for you. So I'm going to pray for you. If you've never surrendered something to, I see, I, I think there are, I, I know there are people here today, there's a peace that you haven't surrendered. Maybe not all of you, but some of you. For me, it was the pleasure and the addiction. And I mean, it could be so many things. I'm asking you to surrender it today. Everything. Surrender it all. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And only until you get like that woman before on the feet of Jesus will you experience the grace of God. I want you to experience it. And if you've never surrendered to Jesus, you can do it today. Like the woman went from death to life, you can too. It's why Jesus came. It's why he went to the cross. It's why the tomb is empty today. Jesus Christ is alive. And because of that, you and I can be saved forever. And it can happen today. Call on his name. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into you and make you new. You know, remember how she was saved? By her faith. By her faith. Your faith through God's grace saves you. And Jesus has already done it. It's up to you. Your salvation is not up to Jesus. It's not. It's not up to God. God sends people to hell. No, he doesn't. Are you kidding me? He sent Jesus so people wouldn't go to hell. We do that. Jesus has done his part. It's over. Do yours. Surrender to him today. And know how much he loves you. I keep hearing it over and over. I love you. I love you. I love you. I want a church. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to just go to church and say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I'm good to go. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want, so many people are doing that. I want you to surrender everything to him. And you already know what that looks like. You know what that means. So do it today. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to play. Um, we'll play a song lightly. The prayer team will come up. They'll be up here to pray with you. And you can pray right during the song. You know what the song is called? You got it. I hope you stay and listen. Please. Alabaster jar. You listen to the words. You think about what you need to surrender. And let's watch what God does. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. You are such a good father. Oh, your son. Oh, what he models. 
all his tenderness and his kindness. It's not, it's not even, she said nothing, but yet she said everything based on Jesus' love for her. God, I want our church to experience your love and your grace in amazing, supernatural ways. I want the fruit of, of tenderness, the fruit of gentleness, of kindness, God, to exhibit in our lives. But we can't manufacture it. It's got to be your Holy Spirit in us. Father, I pray that people are surrendering online. People online are, are typing the words, I choose Jesus, in the comments right now. And we will, we will walk with them. We will love them. And if anybody needs prayer online, they're, they're typing prayer now in, in the comments or texting it to us at 474747. Father, if you can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, you can, take, you can take what we haven't surrendered and take it from us and make us new. I'm asking that. We're asking that in the name of Jesus, God. We want to give you all of us, not 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 part, not a piece, not a percentage, all of us. Have your way. Do what only you can do. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.